It's our NXT TakeOver New York 2019 review show coming up on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. Barclays Center was absolutely rocking on a Friday edition of the NXT TakeOver show is, of course, the Hall of Fame was last night and wrestlemania is taking place of course metlife stadium in jersey the double turn podcast coming at you here with our review of the nxt takeover new york 2019 edition boss ross j man with you what's going on brother my dude i am here how are you my friend we're we're, we're rocking and rolling tonight aren't we the day is finally here we knew this day would come the uh actually the pre-show well, WrestleMania is going on right now. There's yep. actually already been two matches. We're already in the middle of a third match right now. We'll give you those results when we do our WrestleMania review show later on this evening. And trust me, we'll get it out there. It's going to be a long day for us. I have a feeling there are now four matches on the pre-show. That's unless accurate. they throw a complete curveball and this match goes another 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, as of right now, it is 3.25 in the afternoon. WrestleMania is slated to start at 4, our time, 7 o'clock in the East Coast. Yes. 6 o'clock yeah, six o'clock for you Midwesterners out there. Weather looks uh, splendid out it in sure does. New York. Yeah, uh, it's a little cloudy. Cloudy, but it looks like it's going to hold up. Yeah, I hope so. That's, uh, that's what it appears. But we are here for this show, for the uh, TakeOver New York 19 review show. It was a five-match card. Last night, and let me tell you, that was a heck of a show. That was a hell of a show on Friday night, absolutely. Um, as if we need to tell you again, I mean, New York is basically home base for the WWE. They always get great crowds out there. They're always very receptive crowds. I've been very critical of the NXT audience, and there were moments in this show where I was very critical of them. However, I will tell you, they rooted for the people who they wanted to root for. And that's fine. And they booed the people they wanted to boo. They were consistent, and I didn't think they were obnoxious. No, they weren't. There was one moment, and I'll and I can talk about it now. And this is going to be the actual first match we discuss, anyways. But during the tag team title match between the War Raiders and Alistair Black and Ricochet, apparently there was a huge pop mid match. Nothing in the match is going on. I read up on it. Apparently, there was this huge bright light shining upon like one section of Barclays. It was red, was it not? Something like that. And whoever got it off, the crowd in, Bar in Barclays in Brooklyn was very, very receptive and very happy. They probably wanted that dude from WWE to get a to get a pay raise because it was on for a few minutes and it was very annoying to the to the to the crowd in the arena. I totally understand why they would have popped for that moment i'm sure the only thing was that when you're looking at the match i think it was row and black that was in the ring at the time they probably got thrown off a little bit by why are they cheering but they kept going like pros no problem was it bad as a beach ball moment no no it wasn't because that was taking away from the match where this was disturbing the audience fair enough the audience was the one that was disturbing with that beach volleyball if you guys don't know what we're talking about we're talking about SummerSlam 2017 the tag team title match between Cesaro and Sheamus versus Rollins and Ambrose this one where Cesaro actually went out into the crowd and took popped the beach, the beach ball, ball popped it threw it back at someone and, and the, yelled I believe an obscenity at the crowd yes and then more than half the crowd was on Cesaro's side actually in that moment which is per which is awesome to see because Yes. It was a great match going on that night. That was one of the top matches of that card. So uh, I did not know this because they do not always do this, or maybe they don't always uh, advertise it, but there were actually three dark matches to the card last night. 
Did you know that? I did not. Uh, the Street Profits wrestled. They won. They beat uh, Eichner and Bartel, nice. which is fine. Cause, Good for them. Yeah. It, it Look, you want to get talent on your show because it's WrestleMania weekend? Fine. Get them paydays, bro. Uh, Jackson Riker, the big guy from the Forgotten Sons, he beat Danny Birch. It, wow. I actually want to go back and see if I can find that match. That would be awesome. I'm sure that it's got to be... Oh, no, no, because when you watch uh, NXT TakeOver, it starts Correct. from the actual beginning of TakeOver. So I need to find a way to see if I can ever find a way to watch that match between uh, Riker and, and Birch. You know what? So I'm sure what's going to happen is because WWE does this a lot, especially NXT. Those dark matches tend to be on a future episode of NXT episode television. So don't be surprised. And and then uh, Candice LeRae wrestled oh. with her... Still weird, dark hair. She's got, like, purple hair now at the bottom it's, of it? It's, it's, I'll just always see her as a blonde. What can I say? That's fair. Uh, she beat Aaliyah, which, by the way, there was a backstage thing at the last NXT where I thought they were going to do it on NXT this week. Nope, it was just at this show. Okay. So it'll probably be a repeat of that dark match. There, there you, go. you go. So we start with uh, the match that you mentioned before, the War Raiders defending their NXT Tag Team Championships against... The team that won the Dusty Rhodes Classic for 2019, that being Aleister Black and Ricochet. The War Raiders came out with their big uh, entrance with uh, the Viking crew oh, and the sound. That's now so uh, rad. That's dude. now that's now two takeovers in a row because they because they actually debuted that entrance against the Undisputed Era in Phoenix. Yes. Uh, so let me just tell you something. I know the J Man is going to wax poetically about this match, and by the way, I have nothing but good things to say about this match. Um, it's amazing to me how a perception of a team changes in like a two month span. I am not saying I was not the biggest fan of the war Raiders, but I will tell you that I thought there were other teams in NXT that were more deserving of beating the undisputed era, better teams, and quite frankly, thought they should be in this spot. I've been proven wrong on several occasions, and Hanson and Rowe probably opened my eyes at the War Games pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they beat the Undisputed Era. And, Which you and uh, I both got wrong. We thought the Undisputed Era was going to retain in Phoenix. It's true. Yeah. So they've had this nice little run. They've been the tag team champions. Aleister Black and Ricochet are two of the hottest commodities they have. They've been all over WWE. Yep. I mean, NXT, they've been on Raw, they've been on SmackDown, they've been on pay-per-views, they've been kind of this makeshift team, and I get it. People have not been happy with the fact that they're not, be, that they're not being pushed as single stars, they're being pushed as a makeshift tag team of two guys wrestling with each other, and they don't really have tag team moves, and they're kind of doing things on the fly because they both kind of do cool things. This match was awesome. This match was fan-freaking-tastic. Because... It not only showcased the makeshift team and how Black and Ricochet have had to overcome the odds of facing the better team because they haven't teamed as as, as long, right? but it also showed you the War Raiders' ability to say, those two guys might be better wrestlers, but we're, but the, we're better the better team. team. There's a, and there's a huge, huge difference between those two aspects. And I wish the WWE would take this model of a match like this last night. I'm not saying you have the teams always beat the individuals. I still think in most cases the teams should beat the teams full of individuals. Right. That makes more sense. But I realize that they book it backwards all the time. But this match is a great example of saying Black and Ricochet are on their way out. They're going to make this team look really good. 
They're going to have a bunch of near falls. They're going to do all their cool moves. And we're going to put on a show. And by the way, this match went a little over 20 minutes. It didn't feel long. I didn't feel rushed. I was engaged. And furthermore, I was just so into every little nuance. And it didn't feel like it was move, 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 move. Because there are matches where it feels like it's just move into move into move. I thought there was a nice story that was told. I agree. And at the end of the day, the Roar Raiders got the win, as they should. They're still the tag team champions. And there was a great ovation for Black and Ricochet. We move on. The War Raiders probably have another type of team that comes in, whether it's Undisputed Era maybe getting a rematch, maybe it's the Forgotten Sons. Who knows? You've got options, and NXT TakeOver New York 2019 was off to a great start. Oh, my God. You know, NXT has this thing about they have great openers. They know how to set the tone for the night, and they've been doing it for like a year and a half straight where every single match that opens up in NXT TakeOver has been beyond stupidly fire and it's fan freaking tastic um this was no exception this was absolutely no exception the war raiders brought it ricochet and black brought it um we talked about you and i a couple of moments that stood out to me in particular first of all (sighs) hansen can go like nobody's business we talk about brock lesnar being super agile i mean he's six foot three 280 you know, but he's built. He's not large. And you and I were talking about this over the phone before we showed up in the studio. I'm not saying that Roe and Hanson are fat. That's not what I'm saying. They're just larger men. They're basically built like offensive and defensive linemen in football. That's exactly how they're built. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they should be moving the way that they're moving. The way Hanson moves, the way he... I mean, that was... There was a hashtag on his uh, one of his pictures earlier today, and it said hashtag 305 live. I, I actually had, I laughed a little bit. I mean, the guy's doing frog splashes and stuff like that. He's doing tope suicidas like nobody's business. Um, but shout out to Ricochet. He did this follow-away slam on, on, I think it was Hanson on Friday night. Just flat out deadlift. Flat out deadlift. I was highly impressed with that maneuver. That match... It was it was stunning. It it actually ended up being my favorite match, mind you, which is crazy given the fact that I was speaking the praises of Cole and Gargano before it even happened. But it was different, and I'll get to my reasons why in just a little bit. But off to a great start in Brooklyn for sure. I will not spoil it, and perhaps I am just uninformed. Go ahead. They are uh, they are setting up for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Yeah. There's a guy that's in there that I don't think was listed. Who is that? I'll save it. Fair enough. Because I'm, I'm looking at it right now, too. Because I, I think a- you know who I'm talking about, but I'll save it. Okay. We then moved on to the NXT North American Championship between, I'm not going to lie, I will say this politely, a clash in styles. The Velveteen Dream versus Bro... Matt Riddle for the NXT North American Championship. I will be the first to tell you, I thought this match opened very clunky. Yes. And that doesn't surprise me because I've said before, my big critique of Velveteen Dream is he's a very large man. Okay? He works. Him and Riddle are about the same size, like 6'2", 225, 230, right around there? But I'm saying that Dream appears to work. Okay. 
he works like a guy that should be six inches shorter than who than than what he actually he gets. works like a cruiserweight. He kind of does. Yes. Now, I will admit that I've been a little unfair with Velveteen Dream in the ring. I will admit that. I'm still not a fan of the character, but I've said this before, and I said this, and I'll get to it here in, in, in the match when we get to it. It's not that I don't think Bianca Belair's talented. I just think there are times where her character and the fact that I'm not a fan of it takes me out of her wrestling ability. That's dream for me. Now, uh, very early on, they made it a point to say, well, Matt Riddle works at an advantage because he's barefoot, and then immediately they do the gargan stomp on the foot to say it's a disadvantage. Way to telegraph that, WWE. How about not tell me that and make me just enjoy the match? That's fair. I'm just saying. So, uh, of course, Riddle wants to get ground and pound. He's a submission specialist. Velveteen Dream's kind of a high flyer. He's got the, uh, what's his, uh, it's the rolling DVD or the rolling Death Valley Driver? The Death Valley Driver, okay. yeah. From so, the, he usually sometimes hits it from like the, sometimes even from the second rope. So, so Dream Dream wants to speed the match up, yeah. and Riddle wants to slow it down, right. which is funny because I thought the slow or I thought the smaller guys always wanted to speed it up, and the taller guys wanted to slow things down. But again, that's the style Dream works. Um, Dream's entrance was hilarious, it was fantastic. I will say this, and again, this is my critique. Okay, if you are not a fan of an individual, you would not emulate him in the ring. If Velveteen Dream hates Hulk Hogan so much, he would not do Hulk Hogan's point, he would not do Hulk Hogan's big drop, and he would not do Hulk Hogan's big boot and the leg drop. He okay. wouldn't do it. That's fair. Which means he's in his head. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if he's in his head. I think it's just more of the fact that he just continue, he's trying to continuously prove him wrong. I think you are right. I know exactly who the, who who's in the ring okay. right now. I'm very happy that he's in there, actually. So we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is... If you dislike somebody so mm -hmm. much because of either how they treated you, what they say about you, yeah. uh, you would not you would not emulate them in the ring. Well, I'm going to give you an example really quickly, and I'm going to use a movie. Okay. I know it's going to shock you. Have you ever seen The Other Guys? Yes. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, hilarious movie. Mark Wahlberg, he is very good at ballet dancing, but not because he did it, but because he used it to make fun of other dudes that did ballet dancing when he was a little kid and I stuff like that. I remember that point, yes. So that's that's kind of the same thing of... But uh, you're not making fun of Hulk Hogan, you're just doing his moves. I mean, fair, but it's just okay, kind of a no. si similar situation. I'm just saying. Yeah. You took that as him making fun of Hulk Hogan? No, 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 no. I think that's... Because, because if that's the result he wanted, epic failure. Oh, I agree. All you're doing is ripping off Hulk Hogan, a guy that you don't like. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all. Now. Uh, or it could very well, we could very well be wrong. Maybe they've settled the beef. Maybe Hulk Hogan has apologized, and obviously he's proving, he's clearly proving Hulk Hogan wrong in some capacity. That's, at least on NXT. When he gets up to the um, main roster, if he ever does, that'll be something different. But they, they could have settled the beef. Perhaps I'm wrong. Again, I watched that and went, I thought you hated Hulk Hogan, and yet you like wear his colors, and you wear the bandana. Anyway. Uh, Matt Riddle, let me tell you something, folks. If you were not a believer in Matt Riddle after this match, I don't know what to tell you because the guy is unbelievable. He really is. Let me tell you something. He goes from his bro persona to, like, maniac in the ring 
on a dime. For sure. It's actually kind of a cool little nuance of his character that he's like so easy, laid back, and he's just going to kick you in the face. And then he turns it up a notch and he's like, I'm going to put you in a lock and beat you. And that's awesome. And I think Dream was kind of thrown back by it, or at least the character Dream was thrown off of his game a kind little bit. Kind of the storyline in there, yeah. And it and it added to the match of Dream's like, I gotta put him away because if he gets if if he gets too psyched up, I can't beat him because he's gonna put me in a hold and I'm not gonna get out of it. I thought this match didn't go too long. Again, it went 17 minutes. This match to me, I felt like there were one too many finishers. I felt like there were one too many close finishes in this match. That's me personally. Yeah. I'll get to the main event where I will complain about it more, but some people might defend the fact that they did that in the main event. That's fine. All I'm saying to you is about halfway through this match, I was like, whoa, Velveteen Dream might lose the title. And that's all I ask for in a match. I want the disbelief or I want the chance that the challenger is going to beat the champion. Right. That's all I ask. And I got that. And Dream escaped. Riddle was surprised. They did the bro fist bump at the end. I love that. And they did it at the beginning of the match, too. But Dream didn't want to do it. And after the match, the symbol of respect between the two was awesome. By the way, the symbol of respect between the War Raiders and Black and Ricochet at the end of the match, that was very cool. And I wonder if that's going to be a theme with a lot of Dream's storylines. Because I know that was a big thing with him and Aleister Black. Yes, say my name. Yeah. Say my name, the whole respect thing. So maybe this is just a one off. But, uh, well, he's currently a baby face. When he was feuding with Black, he was a heel at the time, right? Okay. So then my question to you is both those guys are baby faces. Right. So why I didn't would, he fist bump I at the beginning of it? I think, I would think that Dream is still technically a heel. In the same way Becky Lynch is technically a heel? Well, he did beat Gargano for the NXT North American title, and Gargano was still in that mold. It's kind of a weird... Okay, who do you think worked heel in that match? Riddle? I I think it was one of those... I thought it was very similar to War Raiders and uh, Black and Ricochet, where both of them... I just... Okay, then in that case, I just don't like the idea of half of a pay-per-view being all baby faces. That's just That's just I mean, annoying. Heck, even in the Fatal 4-Way, you had three baby faces because Bianca Belair was basically working baby face. I mean, she is a baby face at the moment in NXT, is she not? No, she's still a heel. She's still a heel? Yeah. The Sky Pirates were the baby faces in that match. Oh, okay. Mark my words, by the way, they're going to be a tag team and they're going to win belts soon on the NXT or on the or on the uh, on the main roster. They were very, very good. We'll get to that in a second, though. I didn't mean to go ahead and get thrown off. Dream wins again. I thought uh, the beginning was clunky. The middle got me engaged, and the end with uh, maybe one or two false finishes too many. Right. And the ending was fine because you still protect Riddle. Exactly. I was going to say that's the and I got this wrong. One of two matches I got wrong, unfortunately. Oh yeah. By the way, I increased my lead on this pay per view. Thank you very much by two. Just thought I'd throw that in. Go ahead and just throw it in. Just enjoy yourself. I now have a three match lead because uh, because the J Man doesn't take my advice. So that's fine. I wasn't taking advice. Well, no, I didn't take my own advice. Had I not picked Samoa Joe, I would not be in this situation. That's all I have to say about that. No, it was a great way to protect Riddle. Uh, match, uh, the match was solid. Um, here's the thing about NXT TakeOver New York. NXT TakeOver New York was so damn good that this was the quote-unquote worst match on the card to the both of us, which is stupid to say because in any other place that this match would have been placed at, 
this match would have been really, really strong. And it, guess what? It was very, very strong. It's just the other four matches to us were better. So that was the North American Championship. Dream retains. Uh, again, rolled him up. Yep. Again, not a, not a, not a huge surprise, but better than I thought. Yeah, I know what you just cheered about. By the way, do you see who's not in the ring right now? Uh, oh, I've been too concentrated on the damn podcast. Am I- <laughs> Again, did that actually happen? We are we are watching the WrestleMania pre-show during this review of the NXT Takeover uh, New York show. So, not oh, a big surprise. Otis is what's, currently what's doing a. Right uh, he did the worm. So, um, the third match on the card was a match. That I know I myself was looking very much forward to. A lot of people were, because to be honest, I think Pete Dunn has carved himself a name. Pete Dunn, the uh, longest reigning UK champion. Yes, I know what you just saw. Uh, the the longest reigning UK champion, of course, we've only had two up until this point. He faced the uh, the phenomenon known as Walter for the UK championship. I don't know if I can do this match justice because Pete Dunne is so respected in that company and by that fan base and by pretty much everything that they're doing. The man can do no wrong right now. He really can't. But when the freight train's coming down the tracks and it's time to get out of the way and just let him roll on through, you do it. And Pete Dunne has been such a great ambassador for the UK brand and for everything that they've done. And there's been a lot of cri- there's been a lot of criticism about how they've used the UK talent that they've signed. A lot of it. And by the way, the the actual NXT UK show, which has been built on the backs of guys like Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate and Trent Seven and Jordan Devlin and all these other guys that are there. And gals, Tony Storm. It's it's, it's true. Yeah. Ray Ripley. Ray Ripley. Of course. So, I get it. It's there. But this match had to happen. It was the champ against... The baddest thing they have going in that division. Absolutely. And not to mention, this, because NXT UK is so new, and because they've only had one of their own takeovers, which is the TakeOver Liverpool show, excuse me, TakeOver Liverpool show in January, mm-hmm. we had to think to ourselves, there's no way that WrestleMania weekend can't go by and you don't put your most dominant, dominantly booked champion on this show. You have to do this. Honestly, he was he has been tremendous for the past year and a half. It's it's understated how good Pete Dunn has been for this company and this whole situation was absolutely marvelous. Uh how it was booked and it was a really really solid match. Again, I've never seen Walter perform. I saw him perform for the first time on Friday night. Well, actually, uh Sunday morning today because I had to catch up on everything that was going on because I have a family, as you know. Right. But um Walter is amazing. Walter is very, very good in the ring, and Pete Dunne matched him move for move for gosh darn move. So, for those of you that have not seen Walter, this is your first uh, sight of seeing Walter in the ring. The guy is a mammoth. The guy is just, yeah, he's just enormous. He is, and he's not like crazy enormous, because when you hear it, he's six foot four, 290, 300. Which is big for a man that's six foot four because who's six foot four? 
perfect example. Randy Orton's six foot five, but Randy Orton's like two forty. This man is two ninety three hundred. Yes. This this man is Brock Lesnar's size. So Pete Dunne is the babyface, and Walter is the big bad heel, and the entire storyline is Pete Dunne knows he's the best, and Walter walks in the ring and goes, "I'm better than you. I'm gonna beat you." If I'm not mistaken, didn't he call him Peter in the contract signing? He did. <laughs> That's he did. great. And so Pete Dunne wants to prove that even though he's the smaller guy and he's not the guy that, by the way, Walter has basically physically dominated him almost the whole way. Every time they've been in a situation, Walter has physically dominated him. So Pete Dunne had a lot to prove. So this was the definition of two guys beating the hell out of each other. And it wasn't just a brawl. It wasn't just a fight. It was a war. It was a war of attrition, so it to was. speak. It was who's going to outlast the other guy. And let me tell you something. This match was given 25 minutes. As it should have been. Pete Dunn did all of his regular, you know, I'm going to break your fingers, and I'm going to put you in submission holds, and I'm going to punch you really hard, and I'm going to elbow the back of your head, and I'm going to make this my show because I'm the champ, and I'm going to beat you straight up. Yeah. And Walter just came back and said, I'm going to slap you across the chest, and you're going to like it. Oh, and not to mention, not just slap him across the chest. He also slapped him against the back, too, on multiple occasions, and it looked like it hurt. So they go back and forth. By the way, Walter was uh, was uh, doing some high-flying moves. Yes, he was. And uh, it actually ended up playing into the finish because in what I will guarantee you is the spot of the weekend for me. And we still have an entire WrestleMania, and I will be happy to be proven wrong. Right. We had a release powerbomb. Off the top rope. Unbelievable. And it was safe. It was brutal. It was unexpected. And quite frankly, a fitting end for the reign of Pete Dunne. As Walter then jumped off the top rope, he hit his big splash. One, two, three. Your new WWE UK champion, Walter. Can we just take a moment, though, to appreciate, again, 685 days. And you might say, oh, he didn't have that many title defenses, you know, a la Brock Lesnar style. No, 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 no. That's entirely different because while he may have not been having title defenses on television, whether or not that was NXT or NXT takeovers, and of course it took a while for NXT UK to finally become a thing, he was still having matches over in the UK territory, because what Triple H has done to get that performance center open in the United Kingdom, he has brought in the other independent promotions that are throughout the United Kingdom and that western half of Europe. So Scotland, Ireland, obviously in Great in Great Britain, all that entire area. He's been able to get his own wrestlers onto their onto those promotions, and then those promotions let. WWE UK borrow from theirs and so he was actually defending that WWE United Kingdom title that entire time that you may have not seen on TV he was showing up and defending it day in and day out it's fantastic 
It was unfortunate that they didn't show a standing ovation for him the way that they did for Black and Ricochet. I was actually a little bit disappointed by that. But overall, what a fantastic match. What a fantastic match. And this is going to be the real kicker. You know who was the star of that match for me? It wasn't Pete Dunne. It wasn't even Walter. I have clearly, clearly taken not enough advantage of listening to Nigel McGuinness on commentary. Amazing, that man. And when you put him with the best commentator in WWE today, shout out to my dude, Mauro Ranallo, because he is the best commentator in WWE right now, period, bar none. They're, they work magic. Vic Joseph did a really, really good job on commentary with them, too. Percy Watson didn't call, obviously, this match. He called the other TakeOver matches. Perfectly fine with that. Those three had a, they just did great. I know you always get bothered by three-man booths, but if you're going to have a three-man booth, put three people that know the stuff that they're talking about. One thing that I found very interesting was Nigel McGuinness talking about Walter's conditioning at the beginning of the match because Walter is a big man, as we just stated, but he needed to kind of condition himself different for this match because of the way Pete Dunne wrestles. Those nuances, those details, that's what makes big money matches like this amazing. I will add one more thing, and that is that Good commentating can put a match over the top, and bad commentating can ruin it. Yes. You're absolutely correct about the commentating on this show. And we've spoken at length about how great Mauro Ronaldo is. I've actually listened. To, actually, he called the... Uh, he called uh, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Thank you. Yeah. He called that match. He's Do you know how much of an of honor that is? It is. It's an incredible... I'm telling you, the man is one of the best commentators in sports. Not sports entertainment, not WWE, in sports. The man is a G. He is a he is an OG. He's awesome. So Walter is your new uh, WWE UK champion. Hopefully, good days are still on the horizon for Pete Dunne. Hopefully, on the main roster. And if not, then just shove him right into the NXT main event. No, yeah. don't, don't, don't have That's... him challenge you for the North American title again. You put him in the main event. If you want to give him a run with the NXT title at some point this year, that is totally fine with me before he shoots up to the main roster. Uh, you have my vote for uh, you have my vote for Pete Dunne against the uh, the new champion, which we'll get to in a second. Damn right, I'm totally okay with that. We move on to the fatal four way match for the NXT Women's Championship: Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane all challenging Shayna Baszler. This was the shortest match on the card. I had a feeling that this match was going to not devolve. That's not the right word, but the match was going to go like this. Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai are very good friends. They have a mutual respect for each other. They work very well individually and as a team, and that was going to be showcased against the two heels, that being Baszler and Bianca Belair. That was about half of this match was those two showing off and then finally saying, oh, yeah, one of us has to win this match. And so they started fighting each other out of respect. Right. Um, I'm still waiting for the moment that uh, Bianca Belair's hair gets used against her or a storyline where one of her competitors cuts it off. Because it bothers me every time she uses her hair in a match. It's really long, like down to her butt long. Because if you're telling me I can't grab the hair and drag her down by it, she can't use it as a weapon. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. I couldn't agree with you more. By the way, we were discussing before the show started how Bianca Belair, or I'm sorry, maybe we discussed it at the beginning of this show that Bianca Belair is actually a heel, but 
that throws me off a little bit because she had a match with Shayna Baszler at TakeOver Phoenix. Yeah, she worked babyface in that match. Okay. But she's still a heel. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Especially if you're doing the, especially if you're doing the, uh, oh, I've said it because I haven't said it in a while, the dichotomy of the love match. that word. Where you have two baby faces and two heels. Yeah. That would make sense. What I loved about this Fatal 4-Way is they portrayed Shayna Baszler, and by the way, I love the c- promo that 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 happened before, like the actual video package for this fatal four way mm-hmm. it, it was it was actually very very well done again WWE always killing it with the video packages they don't do, nobody does it better nobody does it better than they do um Shayna Baszler made this comment of like this belt is a is a piece of red meat and I'm just going to dangle it in front of their faces and let them battle it out for it and then I'm going to go ahead and she was basically like a scavenger she was cuz she got her ass kicked a couple of different times in the match so this is this is I could I could talk on and on about how great Shayna Baszler is as a as a heel. She she is fantastic, and she how really she's is. gotten a lot better in the ring. Okay, the other three come out, they do their entrances, whatever. Shayna Baszler just comes out, walks out, and says, "I'm gonna kick your ass." Yeah, it was awesome. I love how the camera angle got her with Schaefer and Dukes at the gorilla position, and then she went out by herself. Yeah, you don't ever see that, hardly ever. That was very cool. Very and so, cool. And so. She comes out, she does a little thing in the ring and, you know, marks her territory and says, I'm I'm just going to put one of you in a submission and it's going to be over because nobody gets out of it and I've proven that I can beat all of you. And so, again, about half of this match was the Sky Pirates, Shirai and Sane, working together. And then, and then you know, there was a moment where you thought Bianca was going to win. She did her military press slam. And then Shayna Baszler just comes in, puts on her submission hold, and wins. Right before that, what was that? She had basically her, she had Sane and Shirai in the, kind of the Lex Luger hold. And then she does the the slam right after that. Yeah, so. What's that called? I don't know. I forget what what the move is called. It was sick because she hit it on both of them at the same time. Yes. Now, I hate sometimes how those moves can get a a little convoluted because it's like, well, she picks up one, and then the other one just happens to get on top of the other one. It's just kind of convoluted in that way. And the 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 power bomb of doom or the suplex. Yes. Yes. Again, uh, it's it's every it's a bit triple forced. threat, every fatal four way. There's always one, and then I get it. What pisses me off the most is the people that are at the bottom. They're like, oh, uh, you were at the bottom, right? Because I mean, basically, the only people that are taking the moves are the people at the very top. Yeah. yeah. So again, this is Baszler's character, right? She picks her spot, she puts on her hold, she wins. That's it. That's all, again, that's all I ask is you tell a story that has a start, a middle, and an end. That's what we got in this match. It was simple, it was short, the heel picked her spot, she put on her hold, and she won. A fantastic use of 15 minutes, mind you. It's great. I actually thought that this was better than Dream and Riddle because uh, they took advantage of the time. It was much I shouldn't I shouldn't say much crisper, but because the crispness of the match was more consistent throughout the entire fifteen minutes, where Dream and Riddle were clunky for the first maybe four or five minutes, and then got it going after that. Because the crispness was crispness was more consistent, I will give this the edge over Dream and Riddle personally. Main event time: two out of three falls for the vacant NXT Championship because Big Bad Tommy C had. Uh, Neck issues. He's going to be out for 14 months. So, Johnny Gargano was supposed to face him. He got a bye into this match. Adam Cole won a fatal four-way to get into this match. 
Or was it a Fatal Five Way? Fatal Five Way. It okay. was him, Dream, Riddle, Black, Ricochet. That makes sense. Yeah. Fatal Five Way. So, uh, Johnny Gargano came out first. Kind of a lukewarm reception. To say the least, I was actually quite surprised. I thought my vo- there was something wrong with my volume. Adam Cole comes out, absolutely loved. I thought he was the baby face from the moment he came out. That's when I realized my volume was perfectly fine. So, these two are amazing. I know that's I know that's understating it because see here's the thing. Johnny Gargano's that guy that I look at and I go, "Yeah, he's really good." Do I think I'm ever going to build my company around a guy like that? Maybe not. However, how many matches of the year kind of contenders has Johnny Gargano been a part of? So, like if, at least half of them. Okay, just 2018 alone. There was five takeovers last year. There was NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. There was NXT TakeOver New Orleans. There was NXT TakeOver Chicago. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. And NXT TakeOver War Games. He was in the main event of four of the five NXT TakeOvers last year. And the one that he wasn't in the main event, that's when he faced off with Black. TakeOver Philly, obviously Andrade. Five-star match according to Meltzer. Match of the year. Uh... Takeover New Orleans, unsanctioned match with with Ciampa. Uh, Takeover Chicago, uh, street fight versus Ciampa. Brooklyn, last man standing with Ciampa, black at war games. Every single one of those matches was more than 4.75 stars. Two of those actually were five star. Well, according to... According to Meltzer. Right. Which I when that's not the be all end all. However, he's a very well respected journalist. I, tr- I treat uh, I treat Meltzer like I do Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, let's take away that for a second though. How we thought Ciampa versus Gargano in Chicago was the best match, right? Or did we think New Orleans was the best match? My point is they were, I mean, they all, were all good. Damn good. Mm-hmm. You can't knock this man. And say that he doesn't have very good matches because you would be kidding yourself. The man has amazing matches. He's just not that good of a promo where Adam Cole is a fantastic promo. And he can go in the ring very, very good. Um, this just set up everything for just for, for, for beauty. The beauty of professional wrestling is what this was. This match went 38 minutes. Please give me credit. Please give me credit. On this podcast, I said this match was going 37, 38 minutes. As long as you give me credit for calling it exactly how it went down. Yes. Thank yes, you, you did. Uh, so, as expected, in my eyes, Adam Cole won the first fall. And uh, he won the first fall actually pretty quickly. Like eight, nine minutes Something in, like right? That. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was real yeah. quick. So, it kind of set the stage of... Uh oh, Adam Cole's one pin away from being the champion, which is the story you kind of want to tell in this case. That's fine. Now, I was expecting Undisputed Era to get involved much earlier than they did. However, their involvement was perfectly fine because of how things ended. Uh, Gargano got the second fall. Uh, Cole was really, actually, Cole tapped out very quickly because he wanted to save his energy, which. That's exactly what you should be doing in a two out of three falls match, especially when you've already got one up on him. Now, the comment you made to me before we started, and I will kind of echo here, is that unfortunately in a two out of three falls match or in an Iron Man match or matches where you're kind of waiting until either the last fall or the last section, it kind of had to hold back a little bit. Now, 
I understand that sentiment, and I accept that. What I will tell you is that I didn't really start feeling it until right before the second fall. Because I feel like, okay, Cole got the first fall very quickly. It sets the tone that Gargano has to overcome the odds and win the match getting two falls in a row. And then he fights and scratches and claws and gets the second fall. And then we have a title match because now it's tied up at one. And now the real main event can happen. And I felt like, okay, all this cool stuff they've done before, we've still got like half a match to go. And by the way, the last fall of the match was still a pay-per-view quality match oh, God, without the it? first two falls. Yes, very much so. That they went, they probably gave him like 20 minutes at that point. So if the match went 38 and we're saying the two falls happened before the 20-minute mark, that makes sense. Yeah, so they basically gave the first two falls about 15, 16 minutes. They gave it 20 minutes to go ahead and finish it up. We're just watching right now. Yolanda Adams just finished up the national anthem there at WrestleMania 35. But, yes, um, they're doing the uh, helicopter the over helicopter right flyover there at MetLife in East Rutherford. But um, we, we will have our WrestleMania review show after the show is over, which will be in about eight hours. <laughs> Hopefully not, because it'll uh, be midnight by that time. So, um, the same way the second fall went is the way the match ended after the Undisputed Era came out and tried to uh, interfere and. There were so many near falls at the end of that match. Like it, it got a little ridiculous. At but the they end. were trying to put over the epicness of what was going to happen. And by I the way, understand that one thing that you and I didn't even think about that it was made aware to us by Mauro Ronaldo and Vic Joseph and um, Percy Watson was uh, whoever won between the two of them was going to be the first ever NXT Triple Crown champion because both of them have been tag team champions and the both of them have been North American champions. Yes. Yeah. So that was actually very, very cool, very interesting. Um, dude, there was at one point Adam Cole kicked Johnny Gargano in the face. I thought he <laughs> lost a tooth, but I wasn't 100% sure. I wasn't 100% yes. sure. Uh, at the end of the match, you saw the Johnny Gargano's mouth. He definitely lost a tooth. He definitely did. That tooth ended up falling in my living room. That It was gnarly, gnarly. Mm -hmm. The final 10 minutes of that match, I was jumping up and down in my living room. Thank God I put down Santiago because if I would have been jumping up and down with Santiago, that probably would have ended up really, really bad. Santiago would have probably been up on the roof. My wife would have killed me. She would have been like, what are you doing? I'd have been like, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. The last 10 minutes of that match, I know that they overdid it on the near falls. But by the way, this is still where you were able to tell, even though there was a lot of crowd support for Johnny Gargano, there was more for Adam Cole, which again, I just... I'm trying to understand how that happened. because, And I'll tell you why it happened, though, Ross. Because Johnny never fully turned face. Never he did. He never and really did. also the NXT crowd saw Johnny Gargano leave. Mm. He already went to the main roster. Cole hasn't gone to the main roster yet. He's still their guy. That's a good point. Now, I'm not saying that's a great reason to do that, but I'm telling you that the NXT fan base which we both know we've had issues with before. Yes. They're some of the most fickle fan base that, that exists. True. No, you're absolutely correct. You know that what's the one thing, though, that I just you and I aren't harping on as much as we should? Everybody knew that this was going to be Johnny Gargano's moment. Johnny Gargano was going to win the NXT Championship. Like, he, it was, he kept on getting screwed. He kept on getting screwed. Like, there wasn't going to be a moment where 
Johnny Gargano wasn't going to win the NXT title. He was meant to. The whole last year was coming up to this climax. And you talk about shoving people getting shoved down your throats. Mm -hmm. Johnny Gargano kind of was getting shoved down the NXT universe's throat. True. And Adam Cole was the guy, is the guy. And I'm telling you right now, Johnny Gargano, I'm sorry, Adam Cole will win the NXT title in the next few months. Guarantee it. But the way that this match ended was simply phenomenal. So, as a quick recap for this show, the War Raiders retained their NXT Tag Team Championships over Aleister Black and Ricochet. The Velveteen Dream retained his NXT North American Championship over Matt Riddle. Walter is your new WWE UK Champion. Shayna Baszler retained her NXT Women's Championship. And Johnny Gargano is your new NXT Champion, becoming the first Triple Crown winner in the history of NXT. Very cool moment at the end of that match. Tommaso Ciampa came out in his neck brace, embraced Gargano, embraced with Larray, which another thing that I went ahead and called. Again, I called. I just called the wrong. I called the things that didn't make a difference to our predictions. That's what I called, which means that I hate myself for that. So I went a perfect five for five. You <sighs> went three for five. So now uh, I'm up uh, twenty-seven to twenty-four going into WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You've got some time. Now, however... Uh, you and I picked everything together picked everything except together. for Kofi. Correct. That's what, So even... Okay, it will end up being by two if that happens, which or, or I don't even know if it's going to. Never know. WrestleMania is about to start. That is our review show of the 2019 edition of NXT TakeOver New York. He has been the J-Man. I have been Boss Ross. We will be back... In a few hours. In a few after, hours. Uh, after WrestleMania is done. So until then, we will catch you on the flip side. Enjoy WrestleMania, guys. <laughs>